Hey there, Crimeaholics. Welcome back. It is your host, Kenzie. I'm here with another Friday episode. But before I get started and go any further, I just want to say thank you all so much for giving Holly and I the support that you have over the last two years. When I got the idea to start this podcast and I asked Holly to do it with me, this was supposed to be something that was no more than a hobby. At the time, I was just looking for an outlet, something to have outside of being a mom, a student, and a wife at the time. I never imagined in a million years that we would be here today and getting all the opportunities that we have but if it was not for you guys and all the support you have shown we would not be here today so thank you all so much for continuing to come back every single week you're absolutely amazing and we love you guys so much The case that I'm covering this week is a case that was suggested by one of our listeners. They did not leave their name on the suggestion form, but if you are the one who suggested this case, thank you so much for sharing it. It is one that I was not familiar with. If you are not aware, we actually have a suggestion form that you can fill out, and we often go through there to try and pick out any case that we are not too familiar with, so that way you guys know that you are just as much a part of our show as we are. You can find that case suggestion form in our link tree which you can find that in the bio of our Instagram or you can find the link in our Crimeholics podcast discussion group on Facebook. It is just a quick little form that you can fill out and weekly we like to go down through there and pick out a case and be sure to leave your name so we can give you a shout out for suggesting this week's episode. Angela Savage was born in Harlem, New York in 1961, and she came from a big family. She was one of six children. At some point in her life, she relocates to Deerfield Beach, Florida, which is near Boca Ranton and Pompano Beach. At the time of her death, she was just 24 years old, and she had a five-year-old daughter named Stacy from a previous relationship and her six-month-old son named Dwayne Jr., who she had with her then-boyfriend, Dwayne Mitchell Sr., On the day of March 17th, 1986, Angela was supposed to do what she did every single day, Monday through Friday, which was get her daughter Stacy off of the school bus. On that day, when Stacy arrives to the bus stop, she notices that Angela and Dwayne Jr. are not there waiting for her, which this is a very highly unusual situation given that Angela was there every single day around 2 p.m. waiting for her daughter. When Stacy gets off of the school bus, she makes the decision to just try and wait around, thinking that Angela and Dwayne Jr. would show up very shortly. But as time passes, she's starting to get the idea that maybe they aren't going to come and that maybe they're at home waiting for her and something happened that caused Angela not to meet her at the school bus. Stacy walks the two blocks to her home, and when she gets there, she begins looking in every room for Angela and Dwayne Jr., but the two of them are nowhere to be found. I do not know if Stacy had some type of intuition or if there's just something in her body telling her she needed to get out of the house. But she runs over to a neighbor's home and alerts them and let them know that Angela and Dwayne Jr. were not at home, nor did they show up to the school bus. 
She asks the neighbor if they have seen her that afternoon and the neighbor tells her she has not seen either of them. The neighbor nicely offers for Stacy to stay at her home and wait for Angela and Dwayne Jr. to arrive back at their house. While she was waiting, she went outside multiple times to look in the direction of Angela's home and down the street to see if there was any sign of the two of them, but there was just nothing at all. At one point, the neighbor looks out the window and she notices that Angela's brother was walking home from work. So she runs outside and flags him down and says, I just want to let you know that Stacy came to my house after school today and she told me that Angela never came to the school bus to pick her up. She said that she went to the house to look for Angela and Dwayne Jr., but neither of them were home. Right away, Angela's brother feels off about this because he knows that every single day, Angela picks up Stacy from the school bus and they walk the two blocks back home together. So it's very unlikely that Angela would just let Stacy get off the bus and walk home by herself. The brother goes over to Angela's home and the only person there now is Dwayne Sr. Her brother asks Dwayne if he has seen Angela and Dwayne Jr. And he says, nah, man, when I came home from work, nobody was here. But this didn't seem off to Dwayne Sr. because he kind of just figured that maybe Angela took the kids somewhere like maybe to the park or the convenience store and that they would be arriving home shortly that evening. Even after speaking with Dwayne Sr. and him not feeling too worried, the entire situation is still not sitting right with her brother. So he begins to make several phone calls to her friends and family, hoping they know where Angela and Dwayne Jr. are. With some luck, he does get a small piece of information from their brother Rodney. Earlier on that day, March 17th, Rodney had stopped at a convenience store not too far from Angela's home. When he arrived, the man working at the store says to Rodney, hey there man, you just missed your sister Angela. According to the store, clerk, both Angela and Dwayne Jr. had stopped in the store around 1 p.m. for Angela to buy a pack of cigarettes. And unfortunately, this would be the very last credible sighting of both Angela and baby Dwayne. As minutes turn to hours, her family is becoming extremely frantic because why in the world would Angela just stay gone so long and not at least let somebody know where she was going or when she would be coming back? As 10 p.m. rolls around, all of her family and Dwayne Sr. agree that it is time to alert the police and file a missing persons report because something is just not right. When Dwayne files the police report, he lets them know that not only is Angela missing, but so is their son, Dwayne Jr., and neither of them have been seen since 1 o'clock that afternoon. The police take all the information that they can about Angela and baby Dwayne and lets her family know that they will do everything that they can to get the information out as soon as possible. But very sadly, before the police can even make that happen, the very next morning on March 18th, they get a call saying that the body of an African-American female has been found on an access road and this access road is not too far from Angela's home. When the police arrived to the area where the body was found, they were able to quickly identify the body belonging to 24-year-old Angela Savage. The police report states that when Angela's body was found, she was found fully clothed and the only thing that was missing were her shoes. However, the police report states that it looked as if someone had redressed Angela because her clothes were giving off this very messy, slapped-together look as her bra was only halfway clasped, her pants were unbuttoned, and the zipper was down. According to police, when they had first arrived on the scene, they got this overwhelming feeling that whoever was responsible for Angela's death was likely someone who knew her well or was familiar with her due to her body being fully clothed. They went on to explain that typically in these types of homicides where the killer is close with the victim or has some type of caring connection for the victim, they will often make sure that when they discard the body, they fully reclothe the victim so that way they are not out completely naked. 
As police are continuing to comb the crime scene for every piece of evidence and every detail that they can use, they notice one major detail about this crime scene. Yes, Angela's body is there, but baby Dwayne is nowhere to be found. The police not only have to go back to Angela's family and give them the devastating news that Angela's body has been found, but they also have to inform them that Dwayne Jr. is still missing. Because the police are feeling that someone close to her is responsible for her death and baby Dwayne's disappearance, they begin to question people within her family and they start with the boyfriend Dwayne Sr., Dwayne Jr.'s dad. And what's so odd here is that when they bring Dwayne in for questioning, he doesn't really say that he's not responsible and he doesn't even say that he is responsible and he gives this very strange response to their questioning and he basically tells police that they're gonna have to prove that he's the one who killed Angela. I can tell you that if I was in his position I would be giving every dang good reason on why I was not responsible for her death. Not a response of well You'll just have to prove that I'm the one who killed her. It comes off almost like he's guilty. Not only does he sound guilty given his responses to their questioning, he doesn't even have an alibi for that evening. And according to police, Angela's body was laid there on that access road sometime between 1 and 5 a.m. Dwayne says that he doesn't know what he was doing between 1 and 5 a.m., which you would think he was at home sleeping. It's 1 in the morning. Or maybe he wasn't sleeping that night because he was worried his girlfriend and baby were missing but how do you not have an alibi you have nothing it makes him look so suspicious with Dwayne looking rather suspicious to the police they ask him if he will take a polygraph test and he agrees which we all know it is not smart to take a polygraph test whether we are guilty or not because of how low their accuracy can be And would you guess that Dwayne completely failed the polygraph and the police are not surprised by this because of his lack of alibi and his strange responses to every one of their questions. Even though he does fail the polygraph test, there is still no physical evidence to link him to Angela's death and his baby's disappearance. The police are feeling quite a bit lost as of right now because they have absolutely nothing to pin this murder on Dwayne and there is still no trace of Dwayne Jr. That is till just a few days later when a family friend of Angela's gets a knock on her front door. The family friend tries to get to the door as quickly as she can. She explains to the police that when she heard the knock on the door, she also heard someone quickly running away. When she answers the door, she is in complete shock to find Dwayne Jr. on her front porch. She immediately calls his family and the police to inform them that someone dropped him off on her front porch and then took off. Police have said that if she had gotten to the door just seconds sooner or even looked out the window, she would have seen Angela's killer with her own eyes. Angela's family is over the moon when Dwayne Jr. is returned back to them completely unharmed. His family and police both noticed that while he was with whoever is responsible for his mother's death, took rather great care of him. He was clean, he didn't seem hungry, and he was happy. This really stumped police because they still have their eye on Dwayne Sr. But if Dwayne is the one responsible... 
where would he have been able to hide baby Dwayne while being with Angela's family and baby Dwayne obviously being so well taken care of? The two seemed to be almost impossible for him to pull off. Even though it does seem impossible for Dwayne to pull that off, the police are still convinced that he killed Angela and they believe they have a motive as to why. Angela was four months pregnant at the time of her death and the police believe that Dwayne killed Angela because of the pregnancy. They were positive that Dwayne likely cracked under pressure over the new baby and needed a way to get rid of it. However, with there being zero physical evidence linking Dwayne to her murder, and I mean absolutely nothing, not a shred of anything, her homicide case would go cold. For years after Angela's death, the police in the community still looked at Dwayne as the one responsible for her murder. As years continued to pass and her case would go more and more cold, a private investigator comes to Deerfield Beach, Florida to start investigating her case. The PI happens to place a billboard not too far from that access road where Angela was found. He puts her face on it and all of the information surrounding her murder. The PI wholeheartedly believes that whoever killed Angela was still in Deerfield and he needed just one person to step forward with the right piece of evidence. As much effort as the PI put into her case, it would remain cold and no leads would come about. That was until several years later when the police would get a rather strange 911 call from a resident of Deerfield. The woman tells the 911 dispatcher that her and her husband had gotten into an argument and he was trying to strangle and kill her. When the police arrive at the home, it is owned by a man named Gary Troutman. And they get an extremely strange situation on their hands. The man tells the police that he did not try to kill his wife, but years ago, he did kill somebody else. The police are shocked by this information that he gives them. Gary goes on to tell them that he killed 17-year-old Cassandra Scott in 1986, just six weeks prior to Angela's death, but he states that he had absolutely nothing to do with Angela's murder. Police find this odd because not only did this man just willingly confess to killing somebody, they were also having trouble locating a homicide case for a woman by that name during that year. So it turns out that Cassandra's death was never ruled a homicide by medical examiners. Her death was ruled undetermined, but they had suspicion she may have died from a seizure. So this is why at first police were not able to locate any type of homicide by a girl with that name. After confessing to her death, the police open a whole new investigation, and they find that Cassandra, too, was an African-American female who was exactly four months pregnant. She was found fully clothed, and the only thing missing from her body was her shoes. It is so creepingly similar to Angela's death. How the hell did the police never piece the two together when their bodies were only found six weeks apart? Gary would ultimately be arrested for Cassandra's death after his confession, and he was sentenced in 1996 to 25 years in prison. Unfortunately, at the time of Gary's arrest, there was no type of law that would say an inmate has to serve a certain percentage of their sentence in order to get out on good behavior. So Gary gets out after only serving nine years for good behavior. Nine years, that's it. He served nine years for murder. 
While Gary was in prison for Cassandra's murder, they had opened up Angela's case several more times hoping that they would be able to link Gary to her death. But unfortunately at this time, DNA technology was just not good as it is now. So they tried to link him to her murder as best they could, but unfortunately it was not successful. So Gary was out from behind bars living his free life and Angela and her family still had no answers and no justice. That was until 2007 when at this point DNA technology had advanced extremely well. So the police run Gary's DNA just one more time hoping that they were able to link him to Angela's death. The cops got a hit. It was a perfect match. But it would not be until July of 2015 when they finally get him convicted for the second degree murder of Angela Savage. During the trial, it came out that Gary did in fact know Angela very well. They were classmates at some point during their life and even their families were close. Her brother Daryl took to the stand to make a statement and what he said was, Mr. Troutman, you stole her dreams. We will never see her wedding and now my family will never be the same. Angela's death is like a deep wound that will never heal. Gary chose not to make a statement during this trial and very sadly he is projected to be out back in the public by September of 2026. Crimeaholics, if you haven't already, I highly encourage you to join our Crimeaholics podcast discussion group on Facebook or follow us on Instagram where I will have pictures of Angela Savage posted. And one more thing, as always, be aware and take care.